boy, what's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode 44.2. And we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of Danganronpa. Trigger heavy. Trigger heavy. Trigger. Trigger. Fucking hell. <laughs> trigger happy havoc. There we go. Drew, English is not my first language. What's your excuse? My excuse is I'm a redneck. Fair enough. So Fair there you go. I'll just play it off like that. So yeah, um, we finished. We finished the game. Um, I have my thoughts on it, mm-hmm. um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. We're gonna go through. It's gonna be hard to do this. <laughs> um, yeah, the cases get pretty complex. It's weird because I mean, it's the same case mm-hmm. almost um, both times. So, let's see here. Where do I even begin? The first thing uh, is that there are only very few people left um, after Sakura committed suicide. There is obviously Makoto, uh, Bakuya. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it. AOI. 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 We've established her identity as Swimmer Girl. Swimmer Girl is still alive. There we go. Swimmer Girl is still alive. Toko, also known as Genocide Jack. Um, And uh, Kirigiri. Is that all? Am I missing somebody? And uh, the one useless guy. Yeah, the useless idiot. uh, Hero. Yes. Uh, The... um, the, the supposed psychic, but he has—he had never did anything in this game that had anything to do with his ultimate ability. Yeah, he seemed like a complete and utter fraud, right? Which was the reason why I was thinking, "Oh, this guy is totally working with them." But I mean, what exactly is a psychic, even, right? Because uh, all you really need to do is just kind of be good at reading the atmosphere, and you got to be able to bluff a lot. And oh, well, given let's uh, if you have established the idea that clairvoyancy and being a psychic is not a real thing, because it's not really in in the real world, then the person who is the best at that is still a fraud. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it kind of makes sense. At the same time, he's not even good at being, you know, observant. So it's it's weird that guy. Yeah, he's, he's a weirdo. Weird. Yeah. So that's the ones we have six people left, and we go into the next case, thinking who's going to be the next person to get axed. So, um, it's so it. let's let's go into what happened. The the night after the Sakura got got killed, right? Something happens. You're gonna have to remind me. <laughs> I am ill prepared. Uh, okay. Uh, so basically, Kyoko wakes Makoto up in the morning. Right. Well, in at, at nighttime, basically, kind of, and says, "Come with me. We gotta we gotta go. We gotta go check something out." And. Um, you guys separate, and she turned. Uh, she tells Makoto to go to the data center room, which was locked previously. And when Makoto goes to open the door, Monokuma shows up, and then tells him, "Hey, what are you doing up? It's so late." 
And what are you trying to get into this room? It's not you're not you're not supposed to be able to get in there. Breaking breaking and entering is uh, against the rules. And you know Makoto Makoto goes back, and then he uh, sees Kyoko on the way, and Kyoko drops a bomb of a particular individual who was hinted at, the 16th student. Yes. And she calls this student the ultimate despair. Yes. And the student's name is Mukuro. Mukuro, yeah. yeah. You need to watch yourself because this person is very, very dangerous. And then she leaves. And we're like, okay, well, what the hell we do with that? So, uh, and, and she's very cryptic about a lot of this stuff. She is. And I'm going to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and just say, I, I understand why, but at the same time, I don't. Mm, why? What do you mean? You do, but you don't. I understand that she doesn't know who to trust, but at this point, she has to trust Makoto. No way. Ah, come on, man. No way, dude. This, this this woman is is far too untrusting to certain people. And 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 like I said earlier last episode. That the people who are remaining, I don't see them being killers aside from Toko. Um, and I've always but but, I, but that's that's your opinion, right? That's true. What, what is going on? And uh, you have been proven wrong basically every single time thus far on like who was gonna be you know trustworthy, who you're gonna be sticking with a lot of times. So. I don't know. Maybe she sees some things that she doesn't, but I think she makes a turnaround eventually to trust Mikoto. But after uh, another event that happens, which makes even more sense because, you know, uh, the culprit would not have done something like that. But I can understand why she wouldn't trust anybody still. It, it makes sense to me. It's yeah. too so devious. I understand that. Like, well, well whatever. I mean, in a in a type of survival it, instincts yeah, I mean, people are getting killed left and right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is not like this is not like ah, oh, who are you gonna trust to watch over your lunch when you go to break? No, that's not who who you trust to have your back when people are killing each other. And you know, it might even be the person that's uh, uh, basically has the being the mastermind, like controlling everything from the shadows. You don't know who that is, or if that if such a person exists within the group. Uh, and when she drops this name of a 16th student. It goes back like you are very observant from the get-go saying that there are 16 slots. I mean 16 spots for students to stand on during the case trials, but there's only 15 students. Yeah. And uh, you said that there is definitely going to be 16 students, which there is. But it turns out it's not quite as what you expected Yeah. Uh, when, when everything unfolds. But uh, yeah, go uh, continue on. So after all that, we, you know, every, we're mulling everything around um, and we, we – Get a new area unlocked, as we always do after a class trial. And it's the top floor. We know this because there are no more stairs leading upward. So we have reached the top of the school. And uh, in this area, there are a few places. Uh, a training dojo, um, as well as a bio lab, which is locked at the current moment. So we can't get in there. And then there is also another open area, which is like a garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how that garden works because if the whole place is sealed up, how's it getting sunlight? 
Well, you can have uh, those balls that simulate sunlight. That's true, but man. Or you could just have really high skylights, uh, and then you just can't reach them by normal means. That's true. Either way. But um, so yeah, uh, and <laughs> I thought I thought this was gonna play into it, but it never did. Um, there was a uh, there's a gigantic plant. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I could have swore I was like, there's gonna be a trial where we don't know where the body went, and oh, it's actually in the plant because the plant ate it. So there's a, there's supposedly a man eating plant there, a giant plant. Mm-hmm. And Monokuma tells us never go close to it because it will eat you. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like you know Monokuma sets up things so that you can kill people easier. Yeah, like, that's why there's the poison in the chemistry lab. That's why there's all these tools and weapons lying around. And that plant is another one of those pieces of uh, of tools that he laid around for people to kill each other with. So um, after um, exploring the new areas. We go back into more free time and stuff like that, and um, eventually we we have another we have another case that we have to solve. Um, one of the more interesting things with this is that nobody knows where Kirigiri is. Actually, before before any of this happens, um, uh, Makoto yeah, was actually sick in that, bed. Yeah, he has that fever dream. Yeah, and then he dreams that there's someone wearing something like a luchador mask. And holding a knife, like standing above him in bed, like about to strike and kill him. And then once he closes his eyes, thinking he's dreaming, and opens them again, he sees instead of the murderer or this weird luchador mask person, he sees Kyoko just standing there looking over him. Yeah. Kind of like nonchalantly. So he thinks it's a dream. And then eventually he feels better and he goes uh, he goes to the, the diner area where people have met up. And... Um, was it she he gets kind of dragged along to another place right to the gym while they're yeah 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 because yeah. it was the next like meeting mm-hmm. that was supposed to take place um but there's a special type of meeting to this place um it's a meeting with monokuma but not the kind we think of um when we get to the gym uh Everyone is standing over Monokuma, uh, and he has been taken apart. Yep. Uh, they, uh, they have stripped him down completely, took him up, take off his head and his arms and stuff like that, and they're examining him. Everybody. I'm talking uh, Bakuya, Toko, uh, Hiro. Um, swimmer Girl. Swimmer Girl. <laughs> and, uh, but, but Kirigiri is nowhere. I keep calling her Kirigiri. I call her by her last name because it's easier to remember. Yeah, it's fine. Um, uh, she's she's not there though. So um, we ask them, "What the hell are you guys doing?" And they're like, "We found it sitting here. It, it, it wasn't moving. It wasn't responding." So I said, "Fuck it," and just started tinkering with it, and told everybody else. Yeah, Bikia uh, was one that uh, discovered it, and he basically tried to get uh, Monokuma's attention. Not just from that one, but like looking around and waiting around to make sure that he's not breaking the rules. Because I, I figure dismantling and attacking a Monokuma is against the rules and very dangerous. So he made sure that the mastermind was basically nowhere to be found. Like there, uh, there was the morning announcement, but that's automatic. But the actual person controlling the Monokuma, like making it go around and talk to people, wasn't around. So he decided to just take it apart and see how it ticks. Yeah. So um, what they do find, though, um, 
is that you know just like with uh, how uh, Mondo had found out uh, Monokuma, all the Monokumas that are that are running around. So there's multiple ones. We just we don't know where they are. Um, they're they're all equipped with a bomb, so that way they can easily just explode and kill somebody if need be. And so they dismantle the bomb, or didn't don't dismantle it. It's been disarmed. Uh, uh, it's, I mean, they don't know how to disarm it. They just took it out of the Monokuma casing and just kind of put it on the ground. Well, I know somebody was freaking out because they grabbed it and they're like, oh, that's the bomb. He's like, don't worry about it. It's like disarmed or something or it's not been triggered. Or you know, it, it, Yeah, it's, it? like, it's like it's um, it's not being triggered or it's not armed right now is what they're saying. I don't yeah. think they managed to disarm it, but it was intact. It was it wasn't just just wasn't armed as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know. Makoto's like, what the hell are you guys doing? Is we've been up all night dismantling this thing, and we were wondering where you were. We banged on your door constantly, and you never came to the door. So we just said, screw it, and we went on to the gym and and kept dismantling it. And now here you are, and uh, we don't know where Kiriguri is. Which no, that seems to be a common thing. She always yeah. runs off and does her own thing. Um. So, uh, at that point, do we well, just... Well, they, they start going around looking for Kirigiri. To, is is that... Know. Yeah, okay. So, that's what that's what led it to it? Was us looking um, for her? Well, no. The What led to it is um, they sent... Uh, he sent Toko to get, like, a shovel or something in order to, like, use it uh, on the on the Monokuma to dismantle it further or something. That, that, nah, that's what it was. They uh, Makia was like, you know what? Since the headmaster is nowhere to be found, we're just going to break into his office. Oh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. He was like, you know what? Since the, obviously whoever was controlling these things is not around anymore, fuck it. Let's break into the office and see what's actually in there. Even though that's against the rules, I was like, what is he going to do? You know, he's not around. Right. So um, we go to the headmaster's door. It's locked, obviously. Um, so he wants to go get a pickaxe that we find in, in the mm-hmm. garden area. He sends Toko to go get it, uh, and then when Toko comes back, it's not Toko. It's actually Genocide Jack, mm-hmm. and she's like, I don't know, but there's a dead body up here in the uh, garden. I just saw it, and we're like, oh, shit. So we go to the garden, and there is a dead body laying there. Um, it is uh, – we, we – all right, so before we get into anything, let me describe what the body looks like. It is laying, you know, pretty much simply laying there. It has a luchador mask on, and it has a um, a, a white coat laying on top of it, which is very important. Um, it's not wearing the coat. It has the coat laid on top of it, uh, but it's covering the entire body. And then through the coat, there is a giant hunter's knife stabbed through the chest. Uh, and they're, they're most certainly dead. Um, when we see it, we, we don't know exactly what to think. Um, but when we do, we do examine the body... Um, the, um, that we noticed that the, the coat bottom part of the coat, wait, I have to put that, I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. This happens before. There's so many things that happen here that you have to do them in order because it makes sense in order. 
Right. So we were immediately thinking, well, who the hell is this? Um, so Toko or, or Genocide Jill is all like, well, I'll just take off the mask. We'll find out. And then at that moment, Baki is like, don't do that. And then it explodes. The body explodes. Yep. And it sends everybody flying, including Toko. Um, and pretty much burns up the entire body for the most part. Um, we, Makoto grabs a bucket of water and throws onto the body on the upper torso to put out the fire. And we're like, well, shit, there goes most of our evidence. Yes, yeah, uh, the body is no longer identifiable as, as a person. It's just it's like a mush of flesh, like burnt flesh. Yeah. And you can't you can't look at you can't see the face, you can't see really any details. Uh chest up, basically. Yeah. Um the arms are still kind of intact as well as the legs. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Um so uh then we begin examining that body. Um uh, we noticed that uh, there was um, the arms, the hands in particular. Um, it looks like to be a female hand. Uh, and uh, the hands also, or the right hand also has a very interesting um, tattoo on the uh, the top of the hand. Uh, it looks like the, the tattoo of a wolf or a dog. Um, and it's also wearing, um, like the, uh, the fake red fingernails that, um, some women put on. Right. Uh, and then we also make the important discovery that there is, uh, we noticed that the bottom part of the legs and the, um, the, the, the coat itself is not wet. Only the top part is because that's when Makoto threw the water on the on the body to put out the fire, and the fire was really on the top, the torso part. So the uh, the other part of the, the the bottom part of the the body is still dry, which is very important, and it comes up later. Um, uh, what else? The uh, we get the Monokuma file, uh, and the Monokuma file uh, usually details us on on the wounds that the person had, uh, as well as like, uh, what time we found the body, stuff like that. And, uh, the Monokuma file is, is very sporadic in this one. Uh, it says that there are multiple wounds on this person. Um, one of them, uh, obviously the explosion that just took place. Also, there was a knife stabbed through the chest. that went completely through the body, and uh, there's also multiple uh, wounds all over the body, um, but those wounds um, seem to be multiple time or multiple days old. Multiple yeah. days old. And there was also uh, a wound on the head, like they were struck. Uh, they were struck in the head as well. Somebody, yeah, somebody hit him in the head. So this this body has been through some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just like, okay, first off, who the hell is this? And Bakuya comes to the conclusion, there's only one other person it could be, and that's Kirigiri. And, of course, everybody's like, no, it can't be Kirigiri. We all loved her. And uh, and Makoto's not having it. He's like, no, this is definitely not Kirigiri. It can't be. Yep. So we then decide to do some investigating because, obviously, the trial's going to start soon. We've discovered a body. 
And so, oh, and uh, we forgot to say, like, even though the the mastermind or the headmaster who was controlling the Monokuma was missing until this discovery of the body, after they discovered it and after all the explosion and everything, it just started showing up out of nowhere. Yeah, Monokuma. Uh, yeah, it just, just basically just came out of nowhere. So it seemed like maybe they were busy and went... Uh, went outside of where they were before and then just returned or perhaps this whole event was set up so that they would be in a position where they would try to do all these things like uh, this uh dismantle the monokuma try to break into the headmaster's door and all that stuff yeah so you, we're not sure just yet exactly yeah, what it, their motive is it could all be misdirection right so um but yeah we know that the headmaster is back um and uh probably just screwing with us uh so the investigation begins uh there's a few things that we uh we do uh find um find interesting is the fact that um we know that in order to keep the garden looking all nice uh the uh at exactly seven o'clock seven thirty uh in the morning uh the um sprinklers come on to water the plants if that's the case this body should have been drenched, but it's not. It's only wet on the top part because that's when we threw water on it to put the fire out. The rest of the body is completely dry. That's kind of strange because mm-hmm. we found this body at 9 o'clock in the morning, which means it should have gotten drenched from the sprinklers when they came on at 7.30. Um, which then begs the question, how is it still dry? Also begs the question, when was this person killed? I know we didn't find the body until nine o'clock, but it obviously had been laying there a while because Bakia remembers going to the uh, garden uh, at around midnight last night, and there was nobody there then. So it had to happen between midnight and nine o'clock sometime. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think what other uh, evidence. There's a well. Let's go by the places right in the yeah. garden. Another piece of evidence is that there was actually a little chicken chicken cage on the side where yeah. maybe they got their like uh, supply of eggs maybe. And um, there was actually one chicken missing. Yeah, there uh, were five chickens, yeah. Yeah, uh, either there was five or six chickens and now there is one less. And they don't know where the chicken went. Uh, maybe it escaped or something. Or whether it's uh, it's relevant to the case or not, they're not sure, but they just make a note of it. And there's also a, a tool shed in the back of the garden. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a tarp. Yes. And one side of the tarp is dirty and wet, and the other side is very clean. And um, that about does it for the garden, right? Um, the other thing is that we found a, uh, a fragment Mm, yes, yes. Uh, a a bomb fragment. Obviously. Well, it was a fragment of something, but yeah, it's it's a bomb fragment. Yeah, it's a fragment of something that we know that in blue text. I've seen this before. Yeah, you know, and then we realize, oh, we saw it on a fucking bomb. Um, so um, that kind of explains where we got the explosive. But anyway, sense. Um, the other place we have to investigate is the dojo. Um, because we um, we find a few things there. Well, actually, before we go to the dojo, we check Kirigiri's um, room because um, beforehand I had forgot to mention Bakuya had Kirigiri's key because they started in the whole 
I don't trust anybody anymore. You know? And the reason why we don't trust Kira Geary is because she hasn't told us what she is. Everybody knows, you know, he's the ultimate clairvoyant. And she's the ultimate, you know, literary writer. And you're the ultimate lucky student. What are you, Kira Geary? You haven't told us that yet. And she tells us, I don't remember what I am. Likely story. Right. And plus, she goes missing a lot. She just yeah. kind of goes off on her own, does her thing, and she just disappears. So it seems like if anyone is the most suspicious out of this particular group at the moment, it's Kirigiri. Yeah. So Bieko is like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna contain your movement, but I'm going to confiscate your keys. And Kirigiri is like, fine, you can take them. But you can't just go to sleep anywhere. Yeah. So that kind of allows Bieko to track uh, Kirigiri's movement, especially during nighttime. Yeah. So that's what he did, and that's why he still has the keys. So, yeah, they decided to go investigate her room. Yeah. Uh, and what we find there is actually a locker key for one of the lockers in the uh, dojo. And we're like, well, okay, well, let's go check out the dojo. When we go check out the dojo... No, actually, before they even do that, um, Makoto remembers uh, a note that he got from Kyoko... Kirigiri saying that um, if something were to happen to her, then he should check under under the sheets of her bed. Right, and right, he right. Does and there is a file for the individual, the 16th student that was hinted upon, called Mukuro Ikusaba. Yeah. And in the file, they were named the ultimate soldier. Yeah. As a as a female individual uh, of some age, uh, and she's the ultimate soldier, and that was a 16th student, but. Uh, no one has ever, no one has met her yet. No. So she was, I mean, she seems to have been in, in hiding this whole time. And it seems like maybe she is the mastermind. She is the hidden person that was been like, uh, you know, controlling everything from the, from the background. So that, that raises a question, but that ends up being a, a big piece of evidence. Yes. Um, which makes us go somewhere else later on for that investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the current moment we go to the dojo. At the dojo, we uh, we look uh, into the locker itself, and we find a couple of things. One of them being um, multiple arrows, training arrows, in fact, um, that look like uh, they're made out of titanium, uh, as well as um, a large wad of duct tape uh, that has been kind of just wadded up and thrown down, uh, but it's got blood all over it. So we don't know exactly how that fits in, um, but we'll get to that a little bit later. And then Bakuya wants us to go to the archive because uh, in the archive in the library, he remembers reading up on something that regard in regards to the ultimate soldier, the 16th student, um, because in her profile, the 16th student was the ultimate soldier, was was one of the best trained soldiers as well as just a a natural born killer for the most part um who joined up with a mercenary group known as um the F- Fenrin I believe is the name of it uh Fenrir 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 I'm getting this mixed up because when I saw that mm-hmm. I immediately put two and two together because I remember Fenris from Dragon Age 2, and his name meant Wolf. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's a tattoo, a 
of a wolf on that body's hand. Hmm. I put two and two together. I be a detective. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're, you're you might be an ultimate yourself, true. I know it. Uh, you're getting into Hope's uh, Peak Academy for sure. I'm the ultimate. Hey, I played Dragon Age too, so I know what a Fenrir is. <laughs> <laughs> um. So um. But yeah. Um. So we go to the archive. We learn a little bit more about this mercenary company that she worked for, um, which she was very successful in. Uh, and then she returned back to Japan to attend Hope's Peak Academy. Um, but we haven't seen her. We don't know what she looks like exactly. Um, but there's no way to really tell because that body's been exploded. Right. Uh, is there any other rooms we investigate? I think that's it. Um, as far as investigations, they keep it pretty simple. They also go to the, the, uh, data center as well, where they get the revelation. Is, is, is that on this one or is it afterwards? Yeah, it's on this one. Yeah, it is on this one. Yep. Um, yeah, she had a key on her. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. She had a key on the, the body had a key when it exploded that the key kind of flew off, but we found it. Um, and that key goes to the data center, which was normally locked. Uh, and we open that up, and when we go inside, we have a pretty big revelation. Um, we see the hub where whoever the, whoever the mastermind is, whoever is playing Monokuma, that is where they're monitoring us. We yep. see we see screens everywhere, you know, full of all the different rooms of the school. Um, there's even a camera inside the monitoring ser- you know, service area that is actually filming us. Uh, and there's also a television uh, with a antenna connected to it. And we're like, man, we can actually finally see what's going on in the outside world, see if anybody's actually looking for us. So we decided to turn on the television. Uh, when we turn on the television, it's basically just showing the feed of us standing there watching the television on every channel. And we're like, what the hell's going on? There's got to be something wrong here. Monokuma then shows up and says, nope, what you're seeing is real. I have hijacked the entire airwaves and I am broadcasting your little killing game to the entire world. At this point, I'm thinking bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I mean, me as the player, I'm thinking right. Monokuma is the biggest fucking liar ever. Um, and I think he's bullshitting this. What does he have to gain from lying to them at this point, though, about that particular thing? That, that's true. Mm. The only thing I can think of, and I'm still going with my theory right. at this point, my theory is is that he is – I think like for the longest time until the, the big reveal – I mean spoilers, <laughs> they're not really dead. Um, uh, but, but my thing was, was that they're dead and he doesn't want them to know that. Right. Because once they realize that, then they won't play their game anymore. You know, Mm. I, I, I don't know what his game is exactly at this point. Like when I'm playing it, I was just thinking this is bullshit. He, he's, he's saying all this stuff to make them feel like they have a chance to escape and they really don't, you know, that, that, that's my thing. That I'm thinking about. Um, 
Because I'm just thinking there's no way in hell that he could get away with this. You know, I mean, obviously there'd be people coming to the school in droves trying to stop him. They'd have SWAT teams and shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, 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 he gives us that big reveal that, uh, yeah, everybody in the world is watching you guys do this right now. You know, I'm forcing them to watch it. So, yeah, quite quite the dramatic reveal because if you think about it, uh, all the things that he's done so far, there has been a flair for dramatic, right? Especially if you think about how crazy the executions were, like they were designed for entertainment value, right? Is what they are. All these incentives and stuff like that. If you think about it, it's not unlike reality TV shows. That's true. So Very true. When you, yeah, when you're thinking about shows like Survivor and stuff, they have trials, uh, they have things that are incentives, giving immunity and all that stuff. These rules, uh, all their bases are just existing just for to add more entertainment, more intensity to the show, so that it's more it becomes more entertainment for the people to watch. And there, there has been a lot of that within uh, within these trials so far. Yeah. So yeah. So after that, um. It's it's time for the trial. Yep. So I'm going to ask you at this point, <laughs> did you know who killed her, or uh, killed the uh, killed the victim at that point? At this point, I knew who the victim was. Okay, but did you know the culprit? <sighs> at that point, I was thinking it was Bakia. <laughs> you always think it's him. Because he always had, he always, it, it, it's always kind of pointing toward him. You know, who had access to Kirigiri's, you know, uh, uh, room? Bakuya did, you know. Uh, who, who knew how to set, you know, set up the bomb to make it go off? He right. knew that there was a bomb, you know, and it, it was stuff like that. I mean, this guy, this guy is, is intelligent and sinister enough to do this stuff. But <laughs> the thing is, I don't think he has it in him to do it. Right, because that's what you said last time. Uh, you don't think any of these uh, people who are left over are killers. You don't think they have it in them, in them to uh, like kill anyone at this point. So yeah, uh, we'll see how that how that turns out with this case trial. Yeah. Right. So going into the case trial, there is one other important thing that happens mm-hmm. um, when we get to uh, the elevator that takes us down to where it's the the trial is being held. Kirigiri shows up out of fucking nowhere. And everybody's kind of taken back, including Bakia, who is like, he, he had it in his mind that, oh, this is Kirigiri laying on the ground here dead. Mm-hmm. And I know who killed her. You know, something like that. He, he's always got some somebody in mind. Um, And everybody's like, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> She's like, I've been doing my own investigation. I was like, what the fuck? She's like, don't even worry about it. Yeah, she's like, well, you're like, come on, dude, work with me here. Yeah, I was like, no, don't worry about it. We'll we'll go, we'll get into it with the class trial. We got to go. So we go right into the class trial. I think pretty much unprepared because I, you know, I'm I'm thinking there's only one person that could have done it, you know, and I'm thinking yeah. it's Bakia. Um, but almost immediately off the bat, something is very off about this trial. Um, mainly because. Kirigiri, while she is secretive in her ways, has never acted this way toward us, toward Makoto. And now 
she is almost pinning this on us. Yeah, it seems like she's always been kind of like a guiding guiding hand to get to the right culprit this entire time. And she's she's basically the reason why Makoto has lasted this long, even. Uh, obviously, Byakuya has helped and, you know, obviously sabotaged in his own way, too. But Kirigiri has consistently been his helper yeah. throughout all of it. But now, she seems to be kind of hostile towards Makoto, not helping him so much as to maybe have him take the fall for her. So you're at this point, we're thinking, man, maybe Kirigiri really did do it. Yeah. I, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, even like while I was playing, I was like, what the fuck? I was yeah. like, this is not helping at all. You know, I'm making points, and all she's all of a sudden she's like, well, yeah, but you could have also done this too. Yeah, these all these like reasonable, logical counters that she comes up with. It's almost like we were going against uh, Kyoko this time, and that's something that we never had to do so far. Yeah. So that was that was kind of like I felt when I ever when I played this uh, before, I felt like betrayed, man. I thought was, I thought I could count on. I thought she was my friend. Uh, that was gonna like help me out because I didn't know who the culprit was, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, you know what? Kirigir is gonna pull some evidence out of her ass and gonna make it really apparent who the killer is. And all of a sudden, she's making all the evidence point to me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, bitch! I thought we were friends. Yeah, no real. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? You know? And I'm just like, so this is your game, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't wanting to like you know get into it, but. And it's like, well, if you want to play that game, all right. And, and worse yet, Makoto, because he had that stench of that weird dream where he saw the the person in the luchador mask with a knife, and he was so sick and like kind of dis, uh, delusional for a bit. Maybe in his like, like uh, I guess, in his mental state where he was really sick and everything, he could have stumbled on something, or he was trying to defend himself and he doesn't remember or something like that. So he starts doubting himself as well. Yeah, uh, to make things worse. And the thing is, is that the the evidence is kind of stacked against us because one, we have no alibi between you know midnight to you know when we discovered the body. Um, everybody else had one. They were all in the gym dismantling Monokuma, except yeah. for Kirigiri. Um, but at the same time, uh, the knife that was used to stab, uh, the person, um, was the knife that was in our room. Uh, we found it earlier and Toko gave it to us and we're like, well, what do you want me to do with it? So I just put it in my, I'll just put it in the, uh, the drawer next to my bed. So a lot of things are pointing it toward us and I'm like, well, I don't know what to think now. But then there's also times where we're like, well, Kirigiri doesn't have any, you know. Yeah, you got you got you got to fight back, basically. Yeah, but it, the days. thing, but the thing is, is like, where do you where do you lie? Do you does your loyalties lie in your friend? At the same time, your friend's betraying you right now. Right. And so it was one of those things where I was like, Jesus. But even even though she is acting this way, uh, in one crucial moment, she looks at you and says, "I need you to believe." In me right now. If I die here in this case, uh, then the truth of this place, the truth of this world, will never be revealed. Yeah, she says, and she claims uh, whether this is a, a bluff to maybe try to save herself or not. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, at, the, at this point, I, I tend to believe her, but at the same time, the idea of kind of um, like letting her get away with things, or that's like that's the whole point of this game so far, right? 
Yeah. You're supposed to be finding out the the true culprit. The there's only one truth and all that jazz. But uh, uh, before we get into that whole uh, stick, uh, we had to establish who the person that was the victim was in this in this whole affair. Right. Um, and with the evidence that we had, mm-hmm. we we come to the conclusion that it's actually the 16th student. Yes, the uh, ultimate soldier, Mukuro Ikusaba. Yeah. And so, um, you know, because of the tattoo on her hand and because... Uh, Kyoko also uh, looked at her measurements as yes, well. Yes, yes. Uh, kind of uh, went through her body because she's very good at that, like you know, looking at uh, corpses and, and examining them. Uh, so we uh, we checked that out along with her profile of this Makuro Ikusaba, the Ultimate Soldier's uh, profile that Kyoko took from the Mastermind's room uh, yeah. that, that time when we played as decoys. And it checks out. Yeah, this this person is most definitely... Uh, the the ultimate soldier. So now that that's established, it could it seems like the only person without the alibi is Kyoko and Makoto. And Makoto, being the the player character that you are, you're fairly certain you didn't kill anybody. Yeah. But at the same time, we've known Kirigiri all along, right? Yeah. She's certainly not someone we believe would kill in cold blood, or. But then again, that brings into question that dream that Makoto had, where in one moment there was the uh, the masked villain with the with the knife, and there was Kyoko afterwards. Yeah. So they needed to explain that. But let's establish when the body was uh, placed that that place first using the evidence. Well, eventually, everybody saw. Well, it was obviously the murder had to have t- taken place. You know, late like. Late at night, um, mm-hmm. and and we found it later on. Um, but that can't be the case because if the body was laying there, say four a.m. and then seven thirty hit, the body would be drenched with with water from the sprinklers. Well, obviously that couldn't have happened because the body was dry, um, which means that somebody had to use that tarp to cover up the body, um, so that way it wouldn't get wet and then they then afterwards when the when the body went after the sprinklers had turned off i don't know how long the sprinklers lasted um but they had to remove the tarp throw it into the 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 storage shed and then reveal it, it like how it is so with the usage of the tarp the the body could have been placed or rather the the murder could could have taken place anytime between midnight and basically 9 p.m. when they discovered it, which makes it so that uh, Makoto doesn't have a, a, a alibi. Yeah. But they say, well, if the tarp was placed on top of the body, then there would have been blood on it because there was blood basically on top of the body where the, where the knife was standing. So they say, like, no, the tarp was actually, in fact, not used. In that way of uh, covering up uh, the body during the sprinklers. So this body must have been placed after the sprinklers went off. And Makoto thankfully does have an alibi between the times of like 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Because he also went to the di- uh, the dinner area to meet up with the guys and went to the gym with them. Yeah. So it ends up the only person that doesn't have um, an alibi with that logic is Kirigiri. Mm-hmm. So there is a pivotal moment at the end of this trial, which we're getting to, where Kirigiri says something 
that contradicts herself. I still don't know what she said that contradicted herself. Uh, it uh, it ended up being something to do with the uh, the usage of I think uh, the arrows and the you know the the, the head on the head. Was, the arrows were bunched up together using the duct tape. Yeah, and uh, the idea of the the key being inside of uh, Kyoko's room. That could have been placed there by any one kind of thing because the, the room was open. Uh, there was a lot of little things, but um, what whatever whatever it was doesn't doesn't really matter. It's like it's something very small, but it's something that the player is supposed to be able to catch, yeah. and you see it. And everyone else is at this point like, well, you know what? If now that now that we just heard Kyoko out, I guess I guess Kyoko really couldn't have done this crime. Yeah. And then she kind of looks uh, looks towards your direction, understanding full well that you could call her on her lie yeah. or call her on her contradiction. But what she told you before this about how she dies in this moment, then it's, it it would all be over. the 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 idea of getting the truth behind all the evidence, all the events that happened here, would just go to waste. And you, Makoto, decides to believe in Kyoko. And not call her on her lie. Well, Which, and, they, they give us the option to do, to do mm-hmm. that. You, they give us the option to let it go or call her out on it. I let it go, mm-hmm. but can you call her out on it? Oh, yeah. You can call her out on it. What and uh, I will tell you what happens exactly. Okay. She dies. Oh, shit. She is straight up killed in that uh, class. She gets crushed by that giant piece of device thing that just pummels away. And she dies. And the rest of the students are lost without her. And they live the rest of their lives basically walling away in despair in this place without any way of getting out or without ever reaching the truth. And that's it. So, it, ba- so it basically just ends right there? By, you know, There is no more well, anything? No, there's. You see, Kirigiri's execution first of all, right? Right, right, right. And secondly, you see that whole epilogue about what happened afterwards. Oh, okay. But then the cool thing is with Danganronpa games that they don't want you to like, like think about the last time you saved the game, right? Yeah. That would be like right before. I mean, right before the case trial even started, which That's is like, like maybe forty minutes. Yeah. A long so time ago. what they do is that. At the end of all that epilogue, he says, but that's not how it happened. Oh. And it rewinds all the way back to that pivotal moment again. So it lets you see everything and then goes back to that pivotal moment so you can choose again. Damn, I wish I had done that then. Yeah, it looks – it's really cool. And uh, you also get a trophy too, so you missed it. Uh-huh. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that was handled really well. I love that about this game. Um doesn't really want to waste your time like that. So it goes, it goes right back to that moment. And but ultimately, in cat in canonical sense, uh, you don't call Kyoko on her lie, and Makoto is sent to the execution chamber. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they vote Makoto as the murderer, and uh, Mamakuma uh, says, "You are absolutely correct. Makoto was the person that killed her," and then straps you to a desk and chair. And then puts you on a conveyor belt and then sends you toward a smashing machine. I don't know what that is. It's like a smasher. Yeah, it's basically – it looks like a trash compactor. Yeah. But it just comes down from above and it just kind of crushes everything underneath in one swell swift motion. 
and it just keeps pounding and pounding away. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Makoto is pushed and pushed ever so slightly right underneath it. Um, but then something happens. Um, we see on a computer monitor in front of us uh, Alter Ego, also um, known as uh, Chihiro, uh, shows up on a computer monitor and smiles at us. And then everything stops. The uh, the compactor stops where it's at. Uh, the conveyor belt's still going, though. Uh, so we realized that uh, Alter Ego, the um, the AI that Chihiro had created, somehow was able to hack into the system and kind of set itself up in the in the school system itself. It stopped it from crushing us, and then we fall down the trash compactor. At what seems like a fucking mile. Yeah, it's forever. And then we land, and then we pass out. And that's the end of that chapter. Um, and that, I was like, I don't even know where this is going now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Alter Ego um, was connected to the network, and that's how it got caught and destroyed. So one would assume that Alter Ego maybe made a copy of himself uh, before he was uh, found out within the laptop and the network somehow. And before that pivotal moment, uh, Makoto is killed, is able to rescue him. And that is kind of like the last act that your hero is able to do, yeah. As a as, as a as an individual for this particular class, which is very nice and touching, because because uh, Makoto was the person who was really broken up about um, Chihiro, or rather Alter Ego's death or supposed death of the of the destruction of the laptop, so to speak, during Sakura's trial, stating that uh, Alter Ego was his friend. Yeah. Even though you know it's obviously just. Uh, a computer program written by some person. So, yeah, so there's retributions and all that jazz. But, yeah, now that uh, Makoto is trapped and knocked out in this, this this large field of trash and everything, uh, what happens next? Well, um, we wake up in a kind of like a trash heap, place where they send all the trash. And... Um, we try to see if we can escape. There is a, a large door um, at the top of the stairs uh, that is locked, unfortunately. And so we're kind of like, well, I guess we're kind of stuck here. And we stay there for what seems like a full day. Yeah, it's a full day. And uh, eventually we are um, greeted by um, Kirigiri. Yeah, Kyoko also comes down the same kind of trash compactor yeah. that you did, and she just falls down. She's like, eh, yes. So it's, um, we're like, what the hell's going on? What are you doing here? She's like, I'm saving your ass. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I know you didn't do it, and I'm going to explain it, and we're going to prove it. Um, But first thing we need to do is get you out, get you out of here. Well, luckily, uh, which we forgot to mention, uh, Kirigiri had came to us before and said that she had been inside the headmaster's room. And we were like, okay, how did you get in there? She's like, well, I got a key. Well, well, actually, she said that Sakura had must have busted down the door or broke the door because when she checked it, the block was broken. Right. Uh, so if you remember... 
the in the in Sakura's uh, suicide letter to everybody, she says she won't give up. She'll keep fighting, and that's what she was alluding to that she had done something. She had broken the rule for their benefit before she killed herself because she knew that she wouldn't survive. So that's that's her last act of uh, breaking the the mastermind's door so that Kyoko could have access. And after Kyoko noticed that the door was open, she couldn't just walk in because there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. So that night when she woke up Makoto and said, "Yeah, go to the data center. Yeah, it's fine." She actually used Makoto as a as a decoy to try to have him get into an unauthorized area while she was, you know, on the actual mission of walking into the mastermind's room when it was uh, broken and unlocked. And that's where she got the file for the ultimate soldier, uh, Mukuro, and the key that opens basically every locked door in the uh, academy. Yeah. So um, we're like, well, I guess now we can continue our investigation. <laughs> it's it's weird. No, um, it's like when they come out, Makoto's like. How am I gonna hide? There's cameras everywhere. Yeah. And Kyoko's like, that's just it. You're not gonna hide. You're go- we're gonna announce that you're back. Yeah. And we're gonna we're, we're gonna demand the headmaster of something, and he'll have to listen to us. And Kyoko seems very very sure, but she, even she admits that this is not a foolproof plan. But it seems to be the only option left because they're kind of in a desperate situation. But also, she believes that the headmaster is. Also in a desperate situation, given by the uh, obvious evidence of the last case's entirety. Yeah, because she's fully aware of the fact that none of us students mm-hmm. who are still alive was the person that killed. And they purposely set it up to where it looked like Kirigiri killed uh, the ultimate soldier. Right. So she has in her mind that, well, the headmaster or whoever the hell is behind all this is the person they're, they're, they're kind of in a corner right now. So I don't think they're got the balls to do anything to us. There, there's a reason why they must um, follow the rules as, as written. Otherwise this whole exercise is be pointless or not even just pointless or it would defeat their own purpose. Right. Then that's what the headmaster is afraid of. And that's what she claims to use. And uh, she also reveals Finally, what her ultimate talent is in this moment. Yes. Which has been probably the most obvious thing ever if you've been playing this game. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that out. Like, after Yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like chapter one. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah she's, she's like, she, and she's the ultimate detective. Of course yeah, she is. Of course. Yeah. Geez. So uh, she reveals – she remembers now that she is the ultimate detective. She wasn't lying when she says that she, she firmly believes that she has amnesia because she can't remember anything. Uh, well, she, not anything, but she can't remember a lot about herself, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has she has in her mind that she says, you guys don't realize this, but you're probably forgetting a lot of stuff, too. You just don't know it. Uh, and then, of course, Makoto's like, well, I don't know what the hell I can't remember. Um, I can't remember, you know, what happened after I got into the school. That's about it, uh, which we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, she goes on to talk about how her father was like a famous detective and um, her whole family was a bunch of detectives and uh, her father decided to to leave, kind of leave the family and do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do we find out what he is here? Uh, or, what do you mean? 
uh, who he is? Um, k- kind of, but later down, with, yeah. with, along with the revenants and stuff. So um, we come out and then we, we we go straight to Monokuma. Basically, we go to the uh, we go to the gym and we just call him out. They're like, hey, asshole! <laughs> basically, uh, yeah. I'm back. Uh, what are you going to do about it? Monokuma was like, absolutely nothing. No, no. At, at, at the start, he's like, "Oh shit, I gotta kill you again." Oh, oh yeah, well, he, he's he's doing that bullshit fucking thing. He's he's like fucking with you again. It's like, oh, we're gonna have to kill you again. And he's like, ah, nah, we're full, we're cool. You guys want you guys really want to figure this out? And it's like, okay, we're gonna have one final class trial. And there's there's some stipulations. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have to figure out who actually killed that person, but you also have to figure out what's actually going on here. You have to find the entire truth of this school and its history. Yeah. And in that light, Molokuma says, you know what? I've unlocked all the doors. Everything is open to you. Uh, just, just go just go crazy. you got to figure out everything. But if you're unable to find the true killer and find the mystery behind the school, then everyone dies. Yep. So Quite, quite a gamble, but it's the only option they have, so they take it. Yeah. So then we meet up with everybody else, and like everybody's like, "Oh shit, I thought you were dead." And eh, well, I'm not. Well, here's the deal: we got to go find all this stuff, and he's opened up all the doors. So let's get to investigating. So we do one final investigation, and this one is a fucking doozy because we go everywhere. Yeah, you go, you go everywhere, and you find all sorts of things. Yeah. So. Uh- how do you I love the start? music in the uh, the investigation thing for this one too. It, it is like a rock version yeah, of the investigation theme. Yeah, <laughs> you I, know, you know, you're in for it now. Just get, yeah. let that let that rock tune just lull you by. Yeah, it's I'm gonna great. have to I'm gonna have to use that for the intro music. Uh, and I usually use the credit theme whenever we finish a game for the for the final one. Although that okay. one may be licensed, I'm not certain though. Uh, I don't remember what it was. But it's a, it actually has lyrics and stuff. Does it? Oh, yeah. I'll have to listen to it after the show. It sounds like a, an anime opening song. It's it's all in Japanese, but okay. Um, but so yeah, so we we do some investigating, a lot of it. Um, the first one being we go to the rooms that were locked before, and uh, the few rooms that were locked um, were there was a room. Uh, Inside, so there was so when we went into the 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 surveillance room, the data center room, the data, right? yeah, the data center. Uh, there was a door with Monokuma's big ass face on it um, that was locked. We couldn't go in there. Well, that one's now unlocked. Uh, and when we go in, um, we we see exactly what's been going on as far as Monokuma is concerned. Uh, when we enter, there is a gigantic control center. Uh, looks like uh, the uh, the cockpit of like a mech or something. And this is we come to the conclusion where they whoever is controlling Monokuma can control him, move him around and stuff like that using the controls. Um, but it's funny because and it's kind of strange uh, because and I, I find it to be dumb a dumb flaw, but at the same time. Uh, it, it works out for us when we go to the trial. Is that whoever is controlling Monokuma can only be at one place at one time. They can't watch all the cameras 
and control Monokuma at the same time, which is a gigantic fucking flaw if you think about it. Uh, it is, but if you think about it in a way where it wasn't meant to be just like this whole system wasn't just meant to be used by like one person kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then you think like, yeah, how hard is it to like move around this mechanized bear? Uh, and it's, it's got to be pretty difficult, right? That's and the, the idea that you got to be looking at like like what like a hundred other cameras at once while doing that seems like almost unfeasible. That's true. You bring up a good point, which we will mention later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we we figure out that whoever is controlling Monokuma, um, obviously has their own cockpit to do so. Uh, there's also a escape hatch. Um, which can't be open from that, from from where we're standing. It can only be open from coming upward. That goes inside the room from the floor, and that's when we're like, "Oh, that's how this person's getting around. That's how this person's going from one part of the school to all all of a sudden controlling Monokuma." Right. Uh, and then we leave, and oh, Monokuma shows up, and is like, "What are you guys doing?" And we're like, "Oh shit, that person was in the room, and we didn't know it." The person was actually in the hatch came, yep. and came up later. And then Monokuma was like, well, too bad. I just locked that door. You guys already checked it, so it's fine. Yeah. And then you're like, damn it. You just missed your big chance to find out who the uh, the actual mastermind was. But, yeah. Ah, yeah. So, um, and, and I should mention that since the last trial, uh, both Bakuya and uh, Kirigiri have both said that they firmly believe that the mastermind – is a student that's mm-hmm. that's in this killing game with us, um, and that's when everybody's like, "Well, I don't know who the fuck to trust." Yeah, and uh, not only not only what they believe by the evidence, but Monokuma also has stated that as a fact. Yeah, that the mastermind is in fact a student. So there is only five students left, right? Or five or six? Six. Six students left. So it has to be one of them. Yeah. So your your head starts spinning. Like, who could it possibly be at this point? Yeah. But then it makes sense because they have that escape hatch. Now they, you know, somebody right. could easily just wander off and then be, you know, control Monokuma and then you know come back through the hatch and then oh look. So uh, it's it's you know it's going to be a hard one to figure out here. Uh, another room that was originally closed to us but is now open um, is the bio lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we realize what the bio lab is actually used for when you enter in. It's a very, it's kind of like a freezer, uh, and uh, there are multiple doors, small doors uh, on the wall uh, that look kind of like cadaver cubbies. I don't know what you call them, cadaver boxes. Uh just they're just freezers, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to call them. Yeah, cadaver freezers. You know, you see them in the movies where they open the door and pull the thing out and the cadaver's on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we come to the conclusion that that's where Monokuma is keeping the dead bodies of all the people that have died so far. Um, But, there, but there's one weird thing that's going on. And one of them being that there is... Uh, when. Obviously, when a body is in there freezing it, a blue light is on. And then the other ones that have not been filled yet, the light is off. It's weird because there's one there, there's one too many lights that are off. 
Meaning there's not a body in one of them when there should be. So there should be 10, but there is nine on, right? Yeah. So we can't really figure that out. Uh, but at the same time, it could have just been uh, Mukuro's body or someone else's body that was like turned to paste or something, you think, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so you, at that point, you don't really think too much on it, but you make a note of that fact. Yeah. Uh, also, we find that uh, there are multiple other tarps that are here, uh, and they all have the label Biolab on them. Uh, and when we go and check the tarp that was used to um, cover up the body, uh, in the garden, it is also from the bio lab, so that's a pretty big thing to remember. Um, let's see here. There's another area, and it's a big one. Uh, there is another dormitory that we can check. Um, it's it's been locked from the beginning. It's on the second floor, um, or it's actually it's on the first floor, um, and it's another separate dormitory where people can live. Um, and this is where we believe um, the ultimate soldier has been living because obviously we haven't seen her throughout the entire school. Right. So we're just, all right, well, we don't, we don't know where the hell this person is, but obviously this is where she was living. So we decided to go check that place out. That place is weird because it looks like there has been a war zone that happened there. Yep. It's like there, it looked like an explosion went off and part of the hallway is like crumbled to pieces and it looks like somebody got into a major fucking fight. Um, and there's one other thing that I should mention that I totally forgot to mention, uh, that kind of solidified my theory. Okay. And it happened while we were investigating the new areas before the last trial that we just talked about. There was a, what now? The the dojo and the bio lab and stuff. Uh huh. There was okay. there was another room that we discovered that I forgot to mention. And when we walked in, Bakia was standing there, and it was a horrifying thing to see. Oh right, right, right. It was a classroom where it looked like multiple people had been murdered. I'm talking blood stains everywhere. You know, tables and desks thrown everywhere. Um. Uh, there was even like the, the chalk outlines of where bodies were laying and stuff. Uh, and Monokuma actually shows up and he's saying, just to let you guys know, I never touched anything in this room. This room has been like this for over a year now. And that's when it clicked in my head. Yeah, these people are dead <laughs> and this is where they died. <laughs> I was like, that's it. That's it. The end. It's like, yes, I got it. I fucking figured this out halfway through uh, the game. Nice. You're so uh, smart, Drew. Because I mean, it, it, it was so it was pointing to that so much. I was like, "This is this is exactly what's happening." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm totally feeding into this too." I'm like, "Yes, this is right," and I can't wait to see the reveal, and it's going to be nuts. Um, but yeah, I forgot to mention that. But anyway, so the 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 other dormitories when we explore them, everything's crumbled, busted up, all to hell, and stuff like that. We also run we run into this area where there's a lot of lockers. Uh, and all the lockers have uh, card readers on them, uh, kind of like the ones that get into the the boys and girls locker rooms that you have to put your ID badge up to or your your ebook up to. And none of ours work, so I'm like, well, that's weird. So uh, we decide um, to explore a little bit more. 
and uh, we run into Kirigiri in what appears to be the headmaster's quarters, where the headmaster stays. Right. And this room, uh, there's a few things. Uh, one of them being a gigantic present. It looks like a big box. It's wrapped up in a bow and everything like that. Uh, and it's very inviting. Uh, actually, before they get to the present box, uh, they have to they, – they notice uh, – no, they have to open the door for that first. Right, right, right. It's a secret room. There's a laptop, and the secret room is connected to this uh, to this laptop via password. And Kyoko is there, and she's trying to figure out the password for the headmaster, and she's like – I just can't figure it out. I don't know what it is. I've, been, I've looked around the room. I've tried to piece things together. And Makoto's like, did you try using your name? And Makoto's like, well, you know, I mean, you haven't seen him for a long time, but the original headmaster was your father, right? And then Kyoko's like, well, that's not going to work. So I'm not even going to bother trying it because uh, Kyoko has been uh, distant from her father for a very, very long time now. Yeah. And she wanted to cut off all ties with him, and that's one of the reasons why uh, she wanted to find him in the first place. So she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't have a very high opinion of her father, who has abandoned her yeah. ever since uh, the, her mother's death. But Makoto's like, you know what? I'm just gonna try it anyway. And then he just types her name in, and voila, it works. Yeah, that was one of the things we forgot to mention was that through a few investigating and through. Kyoko learning, like finally getting some of her memories back. Mm -hmm. She remembers that her father, the reason why she came here was that the fact that her father was the headmaster of this place, which, which then we thought, well, shit, your head, your, your father's running. He's the one that's doing this shit to us. And she's like, I don't believe that, you know? And then we go back. Oh, well, Monokuma even said this actually a student that's doing this. So, um, we, uh, we, Go inside the secret room. There's a big present sitting there, uh, along with a picture of um, the headmaster uh, holding a young Kirigiri uh, in a very endearing way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we decide, well, let's see what's in the present, because obviously it's there for us to open. Somebody has left it there for us to open. When we open it up, it is a fucking skeleton. A human yep. skeleton is laying there. And Kirigiri pretty much immediately realizes what it is. That is the body of my father. Um, he's obviously been dead for a long time. Not not quite the touching reunion, unfortunately. No. And in this moment, Kirigiri looks at the picture and sees her father's, uh, you know, skeleton, and realizes that maybe maybe there has been a reason for him to go away. Maybe he actually she actually had regret and was thinking about her all the time as you know evidenced by the picture that was you know prominently uh put on the on the top of the desk and everything so she needs a moment basically to go over things but they also discover uh a universal e-handbook yeah in this room mm-hmm. and uh, kyoko says uh makoto here you take it uh go investigate i just i just need a couple minutes to myself for a second and you know i mean kirigiri has been the definition of cold like cold and calculated mm-hmm. she's never really shown a lot of emotions but it seems like even even to her this was getting to her a bit yeah so you, you leave her to it and uh, you walk off yeah but now that we have this the headmaster's e-handbook which is basically like a universal remote that works for anything. We can go check out those lockers now. 
So we go back to where the lockers are and we use the handbook on a few of those lockers. And one of them, uh, being, um, a locker that's filled with stuff, uh, stuff that looks like it probably belonged to hero because there is a, one of those, you know, uh, magic balls, the, the, God, what are they called? The crystal balls. Mm-hmm. One of those is sitting there. There's also textbooks with Hero's name on it, uh, where it looked like he's been taking notes, like attending class. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of which have Hope's Peak Academy on it. Um, and we're like, okay, so Hero has been here before, and he's obviously attended this school before. What's going on with that? Hmm, very interesting indeed. Perhaps there was more to Hero than meets the eye. Yeah. And then we also investigate another locker and we find a single, uh, kind of like, well, they call it a pocketbook, but every time I think of a pocketbook, I think of you know, like a purse that has money in it. But <laughs> this one's kind of like a journal. Right. And when we finger through the journal, we find a entry that is uh, pretty, pretty interesting. Um, kind of find out this is actually Kyoko's, um, journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has wrote in there that she was wanting to com- confront her father and her father, um, has, uh, been running the school and what, what else is in there? Was it something about how, um, did they find the tapes in there or no? No, then it, she okay. gave us the tape. Um, we we find it, it was basically alluding to the fact that she had already talked to her father about what's going on in the school. But she claims that she has uh, had no contact. Yeah, had never met her father. Yeah, she has not seen her father since she was like six or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we go back to her. And we're like, hey, have you seen this before? And she's like, I've never seen this before in my life, but this is my handwriting. And I don't know what I'm talking about here. So at, at this point, do you still believe your theory is just on the cusp of being fulfilled? <laughs> <laughs> this is when it starts to kind of like unravel a little bit. <laughs> right. It unravels a lot once we get to the trial. But, of course, um, of course. But, but, yeah. um, but I was still thinking – what have we lost here? I'm thinking like, what memories have we lost? Um, uh, but yeah, she says, well, then reading this makes sense for this. And she hands us a DVD and tells us to go watch it. Then we go to the AV room. We put in the DVD and we watch the tape. And that tape is kind of like a home video. Uh, of a man, the headmaster, interviewing every single person that we have met while doing this interview or while doing this game. So we see us. We see Kirigiri. We see Hiro. We see Mondo. We see everybody. Um, and he is asking all of us the same question. And that question is, are you willing to stay here for the rest of your life. And every single person says yes. But but why would they say yes? The whole point of uh, what they've been trying to do all along was try to get out, right? Exactly. 
That's weird. I don't remember ever meeting the headmaster. I definitely don't remember saying, yes, I'd like to stay here for the rest of my life. Definitely. Um, but it's interesting because while we're watching it, the screen goes blank. In fact, the entire power to the AV room is cut. And we're like, well, what the fuck just happened? Monokuma shows up and says, oh, it looks like power failure. Uh, yep. Don't you even worry about it. It's, uh, it just happens sometimes. It's an old building. Yep. Yep. And so we're like, okay, well, I guess we need to do some more investigating. So then we continue on. I want to say we've covered all the rooms that were locked. Uh, all the rooms that are locked, yes. Okay. Well, we um, we also go to the mastermind's room, right? Yeah, then, yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, we uh, meet uh, Byakuya there. Yeah, Bakya um, shows us um, a few things. Um, basically, the headmaster obviously keeping tabs on everybody as far as you know their profiles and and their personalities and stuff like that. Um, and um, he also uh, sheds a little bit more light onto who this um, ultimate soldier was. Uh, it goes into a little bit more there. See so the sees the full profile. Mm-hmm. Um, anything pivotal uh, here? Uh, yeah. One important thing is that she, even though she's the ultimate soldier, she's never been wounded in combat. Yeah. She basically arrived at Hope's Peak uh, as you know, like as a perfect specimen, as someone without like even a scratch on her, which seems to be an impressive feat. Um, kind of speaking volumes over prowess in the battle, right? Right. So, yeah, that's something. Because you would expect something... Like, you see like someone like a veteran or something, you expect them to have like a wound or two here and there. But uh, not to have any seemed a little odd. But uh, that ends up being an interesting factoid that we, we will have to remember for the case. Right, I forgot about that. Um, I want to say... I mean, we, we go back to the garden to inspect a few things, but... Yeah, I think that's all the uh, the lock rooms. Yeah, that's... I mean, that. I mean, that's ultimately it. That's all the major stuff, I think. Yeah. So begins the final class trial. Dun dun dun. Um, we all go down to the uh, to the final class trial area, and Monokuma has decided that you know what, I'm going to sit in on this one. Since you know, obviously, I'm a I'm a student too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we begin the whole class trial thing. Um, starting off, we need to figure out who killed, um, the ultimate soldier. I can't ever remember her name. Uh, Mukuro. Mukuro. Um, and so we go about trying to prove that. Uh, the first thing is, is that we have to establish when the person was killed. Well, we've come to the conclusion that the stab with the hunter's knife that we all saw um, had nothing to do with the person dying. That was right. just, that was just some type of a cover up um, to try and mess us up. So there's a few things that, that lead up to that. But if, if the stab wound uh, had nothing to do with it, where, where did the blood come from? Well, remember that chicken that was gone? <gasps> I'm yes. willing to bet somebody killed a chicken, a perfectly good chicken, 
and put blood all over it. And they didn't even fry up that chicken. What I know. A waste. I know. What a waste. Swimmer girl was upset about that. Oh yeah. Um. So, all right. Well, there's one thing. Another thing is, well, if the knife didn't kill her, what did? Well, I don't really think it was the blow to the head. Why do you say that? Well, seems to me that the body has like we've come to like Kiri Giri and her detective work. Mm-hmm. Has come to the conclusion that the, the 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 blow of the head happened after the person had died. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's like the most basic of basic uh, autopsies, right? Right. You look at the bo- uh, you gotta look at the body, and you got to figure out when wounds uh, have taken place post mortem, and which were the ones that happened before. Mm-hmm. And she has established uh, in her you know in her. Uh, extension as an ultimate detective that yes the, the blow to the head and the knife wound were both post-mortem meaning yeah. that they took place after she died right so what did kill her well when we go to that conclusion we then realize well she had multiple wounds on her body uh, and we see in kind of like a diagram where it where she was hit um, these look like piercing wounds Stab wounds of some kind. I'm covering pretty much all of her torso. Yeah. But they say, well, she's the ultimate soldier. What if she got those wounds in combat and then, you know, they healed up and then now you just see them now? What, what about what about that? Well, we have the wonderful handy dandy headmaster profile saying oh. that she was never wounded in combat. Because <sighs> that's how badass she was. Yes. So obviously these wounds had to have happened here while she was at school. But if she died from them, how did she die yesterday or day before yesterday? But these wounds were days and days old or these, these wounds were old wounds. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, how old are these wounds? They could be days. They could be weeks. We don't really know. Um, and when we come to that conclusion, we're thinking this person's been dead for a pretty long time. Okay, how do you come up with that? Because, well, if you go to the bio lab, we notice there's one body missing. Well, whose body is it? I don't know. But we're gonna have to figure that out. And right. then, you know, then begins the second part, the second round two of trying to figure out well whose body is it? So then we start mixing and matching wounds to people, mm-hmm. and we finally figure it out. Well, the only person that died like this was Junko, which was the ultimate fashionista. In fact, way, way back in chapter one. Chapter one. In wow. fact, she was the second person to be killed. Yes. Um, because she was killed because she uh, broke one of the rules. She kicked Monokuma, and violence toward the headmaster is illegal. And so Monokuma had uh, a spear machine gun impale her with a bunch of spears. Yes. And we're like, well, how how is that possible? Did somebody pull her body out of the morgue and then but, take her? But no, but that doesn't make any sense. You, you say this is Junko's body, but we've established that this is Mukuro's body. We've established that using uh, her measurements and also her tattoo to Fenrir. So that doesn't make any sense at all. That's true. 
But what if, and this is just theoretically, what if Junko wasn't really Junko? What? What if this is actually Muro? Muro? How do you say her name? Well, Muro, uh, Mukuro. Mukuro. What if this is actually Mukuro pretending to be Junko? But but when could that switch have taken place? Whenever we first met everybody. Hmm. So you mean the Junko that we met at the very beginning of the game and the one who died all the way uh, back when, maybe even over a week ago, uh, was Mukuro pretending to be Junko. Yeah. But why would she do that? Because maybe she was in cahoots with the headmaster. Or the person who was actually, who's the ringleader of this whole thing. So you're saying that Mukuro has essentially died twice? And that's why there is one less body than there should be in the morgue? Pretty much. Oh boy. So you're saying, your allegations are pointing to, that Junko is actually still alive. Bingo. Oh boy. So, how how do you know that Junko is still alive? Well, there's some evidence showing that Junko is probably not dead. Um, one of them being, um, we know for a fact that Monokuma, whoever's controlling Monokuma, is in fact a student in this little killing game of ours. And Monokuma has been doing a very good job of trying to confuse us and trying to turn us against each other. One of them being throwing out these really dumb fucking pictures of us having fun in school life. When we don't remember any of it. Right. But there's a very important thing that we notice in all the pictures that we've seen is that either A, Junko is not in those pictures, or B, when Junko is in those pictures, her face is not showing. But what? But why isn't her face showing? What does that have to do with anything? Because if we knew what Junko's face looked like, we would realize that the Junko we knew wasn't really Junko. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that kind of makes sense, I guess. And then I come up with the fact that it it, it, it struck me during this trial. I was mm-hmm. thinking, what if they bring in a twin thing? And mm-hmm. sure enough, they, they bring in a twin thing. Eh, they're not really twins, though. I mean, they're twins, twins, kind of. But they don't really look alike at all. Yeah. They look completely and utterly different, in fact. Yeah. But I think the face looks the same. Uh, not really. I mean, uh, Mukuro has like freckles. Her eyes are narrower. Her her eye eye color is even different. Ah, so I, I, th- I think they look very different. But that's the whole point because they look so different. Uh, the the perpetrator needed to uh, felt the need to obscure all her visage from this uh, place, right? Yeah. So all the things, especially. If you remember when Makoto was watching um, the the footage of all the people saying, "Yeah, we're, we're gonna stay here forever," they cu- he cut it off right before they got to the interview with uh, Junko. Yeah. So he was not able to see her face, so that he was not able to put things together. So you know what? You're Junko. We say, "You're still alive. You're the mastermind." And Monokuma starts laughing. 
just laughing his ass off. <laughs> He's saying, finally, you guys are stupid, but you finally figured it out. And Junko reveals herself. Yep. As the, not the ultimate fashionista, but as the ultimate despair. Yep. And man, she has a very long monologue. Oh yeah, boy that she does. Uh, the interesting thing about Junko, what you need to know is that she gets bored of everything very easily. Yeah. She finds people uh, boring, and she finds even herself boring. Mm-hmm. So much to the point that she needs to change personalities yeah. constantly yeah. in order to entertain herself. It's so fucking weird. She has like eight personalities that she switches on a fly, one of them being like a British pompous person, one of them being like totally radical, yeah. Yeah, like a like heavy metal artist. He- or heavy, something. Yeah, heavy metal. And then one of them is monotone, like not caring about anything. Mm-hmm. One of them's like this bubbly character. Um and there's one of them who's like you know one of the weirdo people that get off on people dying. Yeah, there's she has a lot of things and she's weird. Yeah, she's fucking crazy. Yeah, she's crazy, but she is entertaining kind of crazy. Yeah. But anyway, she reveals herself and she's like, Yeah, so it was me. But they say, like, well, you know, why did you kill your sister? That's your sister. You killed her. You guys were in cahoots. She was supposed to, you know, take your place as the ultimate fashionista, be your inside man. Why'd you kill her? And they're like, and what does she say? Because she didn't care, right? But she also well, got she also got in the way. She it, it was one of those things where she, she I, it was a multiple thing. She was fucking yeah, it jealous. Was, it was a yeah, she was fucking jealous of her. She was. Mm-hmm. She didn't well, want... the, the jealousy came from the result, not not from jealousy, jealousy thing. Yeah, um, she she well, yeah, she was jealous of the fact that she she she, she wanted to yeah. yeah, she wanted to feel um, despair, and she loved the the sight of her face when she was like laying there, you know, getting impaled, uh, seeing her face and seeing the ultimate betrayal and ultimate despair. So if you remember. Um... Mukuro's last word, aka fake Junko's last word, was like, "Why, why me? This is not how it's supposed." You know, kind of, that kind of thing. Like, she had no idea she was about to be killed at yeah. all. She thought herself to be because if you think about it, how do you kill the ultimate ultimate soldier? The in the world of ultimates, they are the best of the best, right? Right. So to be able to kill someone of that caliber, uh, you would have to cast them completely and utterly off guard, and that's exactly what Junko did. In that moment where she killed her sister, she felt that she wasn't doing a good enough job of uh, pretending to be herself as yeah. you know the, the actual real Junko. And uh, secondly, she believed that this would make for a better al- uh, alibi. Uh, that she herself, the actual perpetrator, was just, was dead the whole time. Yeah, how can a and, dead person kill people? Yeah, and lastly, she felt that she was doing her a favor, uh, making allowing her to taste the ultimate despair yeah. before her death, and she was jealous of that fact. Well, supposedly, wasn't both of them supposed to be the ultimate despair? They, they were, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 were they, they, were, they were supposed to, like, ever since they were born, they were both in despair, and oh, man, they get into it. It's <laughs> Despair, um, let me tell you what the whole idea of despair uh, as, per, uh, as perpetrated by this game is, right? Mm-hmm. Is 
you have people that are addicted, right? Addicted to thrills. Right. You have people that go climbing mountains there. You you have people that go skydiving. Adrenaline junkies. Yeah. And people that are also addicted to pain. Yeah. Masochists. These are real people with real conditions. Eh, Some people might think they're mental, but I think everyone has a little something to them that's abnormal and that's a good thing. But regardless, uh, people will obviously take this to the nth level. They often uh, end up killing themselves in in the hopes of attaining that new level of pain or something like that. Uh, And people obviously get themselves killed all the time, like skydiving and doing all sorts of extreme stuff. So think about these ultimate despair in that way, where they want to see the uh, the the worst that humanity has to offer. That everything is pointless, everything is meaningless, and there is nothing to it other than to suffer. And what they are is they're junkies of despair. Yeah, uh, they just they just want to see everything, not just burn. Death is death is like a byproduct to them. Yeah, uh, just that emotion, that feeling. Where there is no hope yeah. is what they live for, and is, is what they try to perpetrate upon the world and themselves. So, and that is the ultimate despair. So we find out the the mystery of who the person is behind this stuff. The only thing left is to figure out what is actually going on here. What is actually the mystery behind this? Why do we come to this school? And also, why do we not have any memories? Because it's revealed from Junko, Monokuma, or whatever you want to call her, that we have been attending this school for over two years. Yep. And we sure as hell don't remember the last two years. So everything that we've seen, the videos of us saying, yes, I want to live here forever, that's all real. So all those pictures of those happy times where they were, you know, really basically jolly with each other, and they seem to be like the best of friends, right? Yeah. That all that happened, really. Yeah. In, in real life, they just don't have any memory of it. And the reason why we have to figure this out, and this is when my theory kind of unraveled. <laughs> but I was still stuck to that theory at the beginning of this part because I was like, right. okay, the reason why you guys don't have any memories of this is because you've been dead for two years. You know, and and the headmaster is kind of like, you know, the guardian of like, okay, we can't let them know that they're dead. You're just going to stay here for the rest of your lives. But that's really eternity or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that was that was in my mind the entire time. Uh, But Monokuma or Junko actually gives us a big hint. Uh, And that hint being uh, a video. A live feed, actually, mm-hmm. of the outside world. Uh, and when <laughs> when we see what is actually happening in the outside outside world, I don't believe it myself. It is it is incredibly hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. So, multiple images flash up on the screen. One of them being, well, let's say the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And the Statue of Liberty, instead of it looking like the Statue of Liberty, it looks like the Statue of Liberty with a big-ass Monokuma head on it. It looks perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we see like the Eiffel Tower, and it has a Monokuma head on it. And then we see the Egyptian Sphinx, and it has the Monokuma head on it. Uh, 
And then we see what looks like uh, a, a city street with a bunch of people rioting. And they're all wearing Monokuma heads. And then I'm thinking... And then there's also one last picture of a of a giant mecha Monokuma yeah. punching a building down. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, and I'm thinking, so Monokuma took over the world? It looks like it's some kind of like... Like some kind of anime that you're watching, some like terrible invasion anime. It reminds me of the. Well, well, all right, spoilers for anybody who's never seen uh, the um. God, what was it called? The Twentieth Century Boys. <laughs> I never, I never watched that either. Okay, is, have that, you, is that a reading? It's like manga, right? It was, but they turned it into a, a series of movies. Oh, uh, did they? Uh-huh. I heard that's good. But I haven't seen it. It's yet. actually really good. All right, I, I won't, I won't spoil it. That's okay, good. okay. Um, but yeah, it, um. I see some correlations to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it seems like some kind of devastating tragedy happened two years ago that left the world in ruins. And June Co. basically says that the world has ended and there's only a few people left that have not fell into despair. Uh, so it's basically like the survivors represent hope and all the rioters and evil people who are taking over, they represent despair. I don't know exactly what the tragedy was. Was it the Monaco? Was it, was it the, they don't, uh, they don't go into the specific, uh, specific reason or what yeah. happened to tragedy. Yeah. But one of the, I'll give you a hint about one of the things that happened during the tragedy is that there was a mass murder. Right. Uh, that happened within the uh, Hope's Peak, which was, I think, told before. Yeah. But um, that is just kind of like the kicking point of the the most tragic, most awful event in human history ever. And that kick-started uh, kind of like a domino effect around the world. But they don't actually tell you exactly what it is. It's, it's up to you to speculate. And they go a little bit more into it into the in the other Danganronpa games. And But yet, I will tell you straight up, uh, after playing three Danganronpa games, they haven't shown the full picture just yet. And we'll get into that one when I've, we finally talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I have, I have my opinions on that. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, it's not really that... It's revealed to us, but then we have to go through like a class trial to basically accept the fact that the world has ended. Um, not so much accept the fact. Uh, the class that that moment is more for when you lost a memory and for how long you lost a memory for, and then I don't know. Accepting it is kind of doesn't it just happen automatically? You have to do something. Well, I mean, there's the like hero doesn't believe it. He's like. I would remember attending the school. I never even went to any classes, and then you have to show evidence of. Oh, I found your textbook with all your notes mm-hmm. and shit on it, and you know there was there was few times where we're like, yeah, we have to. This is the truth. We have to believe this. Um, but then it ends with basically um, Makoto saying, "Well, we're going to fight against you. We are hope." No, no, they uh, they go into the thing. Uh, you got to give yourself credit and remembering. Um, it, uh, they say exactly when. Oh yeah, yeah, well, like, when, yeah, yeah. When when they said everyone, in. everyone remembers that weird thing. Once they walked into the building, they 
got that really like distortion feeling and they just kind of passed that and woke up and everyone had that feeling as yeah. well yeah so that must be the cutoff point for where their memory was taken so their their entry into the the school till that point was cut away and it was taken away by the mastermind exactly how she did it is actually not revealed yeah uh but it's actually explained in something else um but that's – I mean the results of how is not as important as uh, the, the why. And the point is what's, what did she want to accomplish, right? What was the point of the ultimate despair setting up this game, this game of survival of trying to escape? What was their point? Because they, they were kind of like the last remaining hope. They are the best and brightest, right? They're children. Yeah. Uh, everyone looks towards them to be the guiding light of the future, and they're the ultimates, meaning they're the best of the best. Yeah. And if people were to see these shining lights of hope wallow in despair, kill each other, that would make them feel even more despair, that there is truly no good left in this world. And that was the result that they wanted to brought on. And the only way for them to – the mastermind, or rather the Junko – and Mukuro to manipulate that event was to make sure that they don't remember yeah. anything about the world or having been friends together. Yeah. And that that was their whole point. That's that's why they kept making these rules. That's why these executions have been so elaborate. They were broadcasting to the entire world everything that was going on within Hope's Peak Academy, trying to um, infuse even more despair upon the world wherever Hope might be left. Right. So, yep. <sighs> So, uh, but yeah, then then Makoto's like, well, we are hope and we're going to beat you and we're going to bring hope back to the world. And it, it, this fucking Junko is insane. Junko's crazy. She, she, you know, she's like, well, you beat me. And then she executes herself. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you, you missed a couple of interesting points. Um, are we talking about still about the mystery stuff? No, not the mysteries, but like right before the execution, um, she gives she gives an ultimatum, right? She says like, "Yeah, okay, sure, you guys got me. I'm red-handed, sure thing. All you gotta do is vote for me, uh, vote against me, and you guys can leave. But know that if you vote against me, that I'm gonna turn off the air filter. I'm gonna turn off all the things that sustain this place, right? As as like a as like a place where you can stay and live in safety. Yeah, the world has ended outside, sure." You can choose to go, but you're going to die. That's all that's waiting for you out there. That's all that's waiting is death and destruction. And if that's the kind of world that you want to go out to, then sure, go ahead and vote for me. But however, if even the one person votes uh, on the contrary and for someone else, then, then uh, you know, everyone – was it uh, – was it – no, no, no. They she puts a stipulation that she basically pinpoints the blame on Makoto, saying that he's the instigator for this right. this scenario. And she said, "You know what? If even one person votes for Makoto instead of me, among all you guys, then uh, yeah, Makoto gets punished in the most harsh way possible, and the rest of you guys can live here for free and you know, in carefree and in safety for the rest of your lives. Yeah, isn't that much better? So it's basically it's either unanimous." Or nothing. Yeah. And this is at that point where everyone's starting to doubt themselves. Everyone understands that their memory has been taken, that the world outside is 
that's just like like a pile. It is in the pile of destruction. There's death and decay everywhere. Do they really want to go out there? And everyone's wondering, what should I do? And yeah, Mokoto, yeah, you have to shoot the truth bullets. You have to. He says that as long as there is hope, uh, you know, we will never give up. So you basically take. Uh, the the hope basically, uh, and then you store it up as your bullet, and you shoot it into people that are uh, kind of unsure about themselves to revitalize them, and everyone uh, one by one they kind of fall in line and say, you know what, I you know they they've learned this and that within the experience, they don't want to give Junko the satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, and they uh they all vote for Junko, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, well I, I do want to mention that uh, Bakia, um, but him in particular, he was like, you know. At the beginning of this, I said I was going to uh, find out who the mastermind is, and I'm going to kill them. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, I'm still going to do that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true to his word, sure. And so, yeah, so she decides that everybody votes for her, and so she goes out with a bang. She decides to execute herself. Meanwhile, Makoto um, and the other guys are like, "You know what? You've been, you can just let us go and not kill yourself. It's fine." And she's insulted. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, he would even suggest such a thing because this is the moment that she's been waiting for not the death but the idea that all her masterfully carefully like planned ideas of the staging this whole game to make people kill themselves to show the world despair all her plans have gone for naught and this is her moment where she, everything that she tried to do and she had to get it is it has become hopeless she has become in that moment, the ultimate, true ultimate despair. Yeah. And she, she didn't want that ruined by anyone else. Yeah. She was, and she's like happy about it. Yeah. She's ecstatic. Yeah. She's, she's about to die. She is. She, she's like the, the mere fact that I had everything going according to plan perfectly. And at the very end, Mm -hmm. I lost it. That is the ultimate despair. It, It truly is. And uh, and then she, while she's getting ready to kill herself, she feels the fear and the despair inside of her, and she says it's absolutely beautiful. And then she kills herself in every fucking way that everybody's died so far. <laughs> there is one that should have looked out of place for you. Um, there was one where she locks herself in a rocket and goes up all the way into the sky and comes crashing down. Uh-huh. That's one that you actually haven't. No one was killed by that, right? Uh, at the, actually, at the very beginning of the game, mm-hmm. I remember seeing somebody locked in a rocket right. and shot up into the air and then came back down. But yeah. I didn't know what that meant. But do you understand now after learning everything that you know? Was that the way Kirigiri was supposed to die? No, that was the way the head her father died. died. Oh shit. Yeah, and when actually, if you watch that tra- watch that uh, cinematic again, you see his skeleton pop out of the uh, the dropped uh, dropped uh, rocket ship. Yeah, and it looks exactly like the skeleton within the box with the crack on the head and everything. <laughs> Shit, look yeah, at there's, that. There's a lot of attention to detail. So she kills herself in the most dramatic and flashy way possible, and she is no more. But she is obviously happy. And you know that's the thing about Junko is that yeah, her plan didn't come true. But ultimately, that's the moment she's been looking. She's she got what she wanted. For. Yeah, she yeah. got what she, she wanted. It was a win-win situation for her all along, and um, 
yeah, there she's there. She had she had everything planned out. Whether she won or lost, it was a one for her. It's, so it, it's Junko. It's Junko, funny crazy. in a way, mm-hmm. but then it's also so fucked up in a way. It is when you sure think about is. it. I mean, that's that's like that's a sick fucking person, you know. That's why I like Junko. She's <laughs> she's batshit crazy. Yeah, she's... but I like I like her dynamic about what she really wants, and she is a hundred percent consistent. Yeah. Because normal person, not even a normal person, but a reasonable individual would see their own death and say, ah, I don't need to die, right? You know, they, they would value their own life if it was basically completely meaningless that they die. But she welcomed it. Yeah. She embraced it with such glee that I've never seen anyone else do uh, just, to, just to suit her own personal taste. I can respect that in the character. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, she dies um, and drops – the basically the remote control that opens the door, mm-hmm. the giant door to the school, and uh, so everyone's standing in front of the door. I uh, got Bakuya, Toko, also Genocide Jack, fucking survives this game. <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After she gets revealed in the second case, you're like, oh, that bitch is gonna kill somebody and get tried off. Yeah. But no, that's not that's not how it happens. No, the fucking murderer. Yeah, the actual person that has killed many a people yeah. survives. Uh, uh, hero, mm-hmm. um, swimmer girl, uh, Kirigiri, mm-hmm. and Makoto yep. are all the survivors of Hope's Peak Academy. Uh, Makoto hits the button. It opens the door. We see this bright shining light, and then the credits roll. Uh, after okay. the, after the credits, um, there is a small little scene and it is a scene of, uh, Monokuma kind of like laying face down on the ground and it shows him r- kind of rising up and looking up at the camera and it's saying, what do he say? I can't remember what, exactly what he said. Uh, I forget too. But... It's like, uh, I, I will continue on because I am Monokuma. Something along that line, but not quite as cheesy, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's that's basically what he said. Yes. And that's the end of the game. Yes, it is. And I'm like, two, two, two things. One, I'm kind of sad that my theory didn't work out the way it did. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, because I was thinking, I was thinking, all right, if they really are dead and this is really like hell or purgatory or something like that, then that kind of cheapens the other games that come out because obviously there are other games yep. and, and we already know that the underlying thing is, well, the, every, these people are actually dead. They just don't know it. And you're playing through that, um, which that kind of cheapens that. But at the same time, if the world has ended, that kind of cheapens it too. But since they left it open, we don't know what happens when they open that door. He, Monokuma may have been lying the entire fucking time. They even mentioned it. I think Bakuya mentions it. He's like, has the world really ended, or was this just another lie that was told to us? Well, you know, I think at that point they, they tried to establish that uh, Junko has nothing left to lie about, right? She's being very straightforward. All her, all that, all that matters to her is the ultimate choice that people are gonna choose. And if she misrepresented the truth uh, and forced, or rather, uh, kind of led them to choose something different because she she lied about something then you would not have the result that she wants. Yeah. So you would have to believe that she's telling the truth. I think it's fairly established that she was telling the truth about the outer world. But 
the the real question is the extent of the world's destruction. Yeah. Right. Is it is it basically like Mad Max out there? Or like how bad is it really? Is it Fallout? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, Fallout had the end of the world, but there's still people, there's still structure, there's still societies trying to live on, right? Right. So if it's something like that, maybe they have a they have a they have some hope left after all. Yeah. As uh, Makoto is the ultimate hope. So maybe they can bring something uh, about in the world, uh, a change. Right. And I... you have to also remember that. Um, this was all being filmed, right? Yeah. This was being broadcast to the world. And they just saw the ultimate despair become defeated by a man or a person who's been deemed the ultimate hope. Perhaps now this is the turning point that the world needed after all. So there's a, there's a lot to think about. I think I think more so than it, it leaves it open, I think it makes it more exciting because of that. Yeah, I mean that makes me want to play the second game. You know, um, the, the thing, the thing it gets me though, and the questions that I do have is, is a, is how, how bad is the world outside exactly? And (laughs) play Danganronpa too. Yeah. And B, (laughs) we get that little snippet of, oh, Monokuma is really alive. Was Junko the person that caused this big tragedy to happen or was it somebody else? Uh, well, it says that the ultimate despair kickstarted this whole thing. And it became a domino, uh, domino effect of like movements upon movements, but it seems like she was at the cusp, right? She was one of the head figures, right? Along with her sister, the ultimate soldier. She was uh, Junko was the brains, and Makura was the brawn, so to speak, of the operation. But they weren't the only ones. Oh yeah, because I remember they actually showed like a picture talking about the the masterminds, mm-hmm. uh, and it showed like. Multiple shadowy figures, not right, just like one or two. Right? Yeah, mul- multiple silhouettes of people, and I'm like, okay, so this may be like a fucking organization of people. It might be. It's the Patriots. It is the Lalelulelo. It is the Lalelulelo. So, yeah, I mean, it's in the whole. I fucking love this game. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It was it was interesting through and through. It had me on the seat of my chair the entire time. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I had a hard time remembering this stuff was because when I started playing it on Saturday, I couldn't fucking stop. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. told me you're going to finish playing it maybe on like Tuesday and then you finished it on like Sunday. Right? I, I beat it on Sunday and I was like, I, why did I do this? But I did it anyway because I was like, I got to see what happens. You know, I was like, I got to know what happens, but especially whenever you start putting in your theories and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, and man – the game did such a good job of validating my theory. You know? It did. That's like kind of a funny thing because you, your theory ha- has like nothing to do with what actually happened. But if you think about it from a piece by piece standpoint, it actually fits. Yeah. To some degree. It fits and, uh, so that, that, well. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Because I was thinking, I was like, yeah, when I saw that that room where everybody supposedly died there, I'm like, that's where they died. They died in that classroom, <laughs> and they don't realize it. You know, and it's 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 stuff like I was like, this is perfect. This is like, and I was totally like, I was like, part of me was motivated to see how it ended because of my theory, mm-hmm. but then I was like, okay, well, my theory is not going to play out. How is it going to play out? And I was like, wow, this went in a totally different direction than what I thought. Uh, for me, whenever I make theories, right, I don't I don't feel validated when I when my theories come true. Because I always do this. Uh, I mean, I I'm a big fan of mystery. I I read books. I play games. Uh, all about you know, uh, 
just the mystery genre itself is so alluring to me, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always, I always have theories that I formulate in my head, but I try to keep myself focused to one theory, just like you did, right? Yeah. Because if you, if you kind of, kind of throw a wide web on all the possibilities and then one of them just happens to be true, then you're like, oh, that's predictable, but that's not really because you just, you just happen to just kind of put a, put a number on every single thing that it could possibly be. Yeah. So in that way, I think Danganronpa does that really well because it just, it just plays with your, plays with your ideas here and there. It just, it always does a little foreboding at the end of each chapter and the mm-hmm. beginning of, and it, it just really gets you going. Once you start, it's difficult to, it's difficult to stop. Right. I mean, that's, I thought this game was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm really glad we played it. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very happy to hear that, Drew, because uh, you know I've uh, I've known that you like like visual novel series like A. Attorney Phoenix Wright and stuff. Yeah. And Danganronpa is is a much lesser known series compared to I mean obviously Capcom's uh, Ace Attorney series, and I think more people ought to play it for the reason that I you know I've just given to you. It's a very good series. It's fun, entertaining, and it's creative. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's goofy as shit. But, oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. that's one of the things I liked about it. And, you know, that was the thing. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking, obviously, Makoto is going to survive this because he's telling the story. I mean, the, the entire time, it was through like he, him retelling what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, well, Kirigiri will probably survive too because the, it, that seems like the two main protagonists. Now, granted, at the beginning of this game, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be him and uh, Sakia. Sayaka. Sayaka. And I was like, yeah, because, I mean, that's his girlfriend kind of thing. And then, you know, he, he'll, he'll protect her as much as he can. Mm-hmm. No, she fucking's the first person to die. And I was like, okay. And that, that, that immediately piqued my interest. And I was like, I got to, like, all right, let's see how this goes here. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, this is, great you know and i mean it's and there's parts where it's like fucking touching and shit you know yeah it's it like, is. i mean it's, they, they do a real good job ace attorney does it too i mean that like I mean, that's the thing is like i i love that series um the, you know the first game really sold it for me whenever it, well i mean i i <laughs> it's the statute of limitations up on ace attorney I think I think it's been twenty years, so I think we're good. Okay, uh, you know the second trial, or you know you do your first trial and you have your your partner with you, your mm-hmm. your mentor. I can't remember Maya was her name. Uh, uh, no, not Maya. What's her Maya's, name? Maya was the the actual sidekick. I forget her name. Mia. I think so. Yeah. I forget her name too, but I think it exactly was her, it was her sister. Yeah. 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 Uh, she was the older sister and she was like a year older than, than Phoenix Wright. And she was helping you through the first trial. And I was like, okay, so they're going to be like a tag team partner thing. No, Mia fucking gets killed in the next one. You got to solve her fucking murder. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, where is this fucking going? And it was crazy. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, nobody's really dead in fucking Phoenix Wright because you got a psychic who can. Fucking, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that. Well, like, you know what? Every game kind of has that like quirky aspect to it, and yeah. Phoenix Red is, is is one of those things too. They they just kind of get recesses and extensions whenever they need it the most, and uh, evidence is popping out left and right, and also the whole psychic thing. But once you realize that's kind of the direction that the the thing wants to be, and you accept it as part of that universe, then it's fine. You're, yeah. like, you're like, oh, that's okay. And Danganronpa has a lot of that uh, weird-ass shit, too. Yeah. Uh, man, like a lot of exaggerations and stuff. But it's there for effect. Yeah. And for its own kind of identity as a part of fiction. So I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I did too. It's, it's most certainly Japanese. I'll put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's like you're watching an anime. Have you watched the Danganronpa anime? No, I played the game. Why would I watch the anime? I don't know. Maybe it's good. <laughs> no, uh, generally, like, for these kind of things, like, I've seen the animation of it. And you know how the uh, there's the art style for Danganronpa is actually really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, the uh, the really strong lines of strokes and the deep color palettes. Yeah. I find that really uh, tantalizing. And I saw the anime. It looks like generic anime. Right. And that turned me off of it immediately. I didn't, I didn't really want to watch it at that point. I didn't watch it. This, so this started out as a game. It didn't yes. start out as like a, uh, a manga. Yeah, or it started like that. out as a PSP game. Right. And it got sort of popular, and then they really re-released it on Vita one and two, and then they did the anime thing. I think. Yeah, I know it had a manga at one point. Um, uh, probably. I mean, I, everything and anything gets a manga adaptation, even more so than anime. So it makes sense. Yeah. But uh, now that you finished Danganronpa One, Drew, I will. I will say, without without question. If you go into Danganronpa 2, I'll say you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay. Like all the cases, the comp- the complexity of the cases and the characters that you meet, they double down. So, so so I if it's spoiler, don't – well, if it's spoiler, then, then you're going yeah, to – Yeah, obviously anything. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Um, does, does Danganronpa 2 take place after this game? Uh, so let me see if that's like spoilerific right. uh, information. Um, no, it's not really spoiler. So I will say yes. Okay. Um, are there any returning characters? That's that's spoilerific spoiler- enough. So okay. I won't say anything. Okay. But I'll say you won't be disappointed. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, Danganronpa two, buddy. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta play that eventually. Well, I plan on doing that next year. Yeah, next year, uh, yeah, we'll 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 still figure something out and uh, get back into it. But boy, I am looking forward to your reactions to Danganronpa too. I, there's I just... there's this one particular case, and people who have played Danganronpa two know exactly what I'm talking about when I say one particular case. And man, that is like that is like one of my favorite things in gaming. Yeah. So I say, hopefully, hopefully we'll see it sooner than later. But any any final thoughts about the game other than you know like uh, the enjoyment level as far as um you know any final words? You know, I, I obviously anybody who's listening to this, we have spoiled the entire game. It's it's one of those games where you play it once and you're <laughs> kind of done, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, man, this like. If if anything, anybody who listened to this and was intrigued and enjoyed what we talked about, why not play Danganronpa 2 with us? Because I, I thoroughly expect to play it sometime next year, and I will plan it out ahead of time. And anybody out there who, who is listening to us and enjoys this, this stuff, play that with us. Find a way to play that with us. You don't have to buy a Vita. You can get a Vita TV for cheap. I've got one cheap. You can buy it for like 30 bucks. It's yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I'm going. I'm actually going to be using that a lot coming up soon. So that's um, that's a great idea, Drew. I was going to say like uh, what you were saying. Like I was going to say because we talked about the cases, we talked about the results, but obviously we can't do the game justice by talking about it. So if if you like what we said, we miss a lot of points and specific details, and the actual act of putting together all the case information in the last climax is so satisfying. That even after you know what to do, just doing it yourself is so much fun. 
So yeah, you can definitely play uh, Danganronpa 2 with us later down the, the line. But maybe even play Danganronpa 1 even after knowing all this stuff. It'll still be fun for you. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we do have an email that I want to mention. Um, it comes from Jamie, who is uh, one of our loyal listeners who, who has been following along with us with uh, Metal Gear, playing all the Metal Gear games with us. Uh, Jamie writes in and says, Hi, guys. Uh, just want just a quick email to let you know, since you asked in the first podcast, that your descriptions of characters and events are really good. Out of curiosity, because this game sounds really interesting, I looked up some of the executions and you described them very well. <laughs> good work, detectives. And I appreciate that email, Jamie. Oh, thank you very much, Jamie. Appreciate the words. And um, I, I don't know if you've beat Metal Gear Solid Five yet, but I have. Uh, yeah, and we're not we're not going to discuss it. But, um, yeah, get ready for that one because I told Matt that I want, I want to do that this year. So, um, I don't know exactly what the plan is because if we start the Witcher two, Matt is not going to have time to play through Metal Gear Solid five. The thing about Metal Gear Solid five is that like the actual play time is decently long, but like what you will have to actually cover and talk about is actually very minimal. Well, yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do. I mean, like we're not going. This is this is basically gonna be one episode with me, Ken, and Matt. Oh, okay, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, do it we're sure. we're gonna sit down and just say, here's what we thought of Metal Gear Solid Five, and then I'm going to I'm gonna go into the, all the plot points and then mm-hmm. try to connect it as best I can to the NES game. <laughs> um, uh, and it's just I don't know. Uh, it, oh man. When we talk about that finally, I need to be in the right mindset for that because, man, I got some things to say about that game. Yes, I think uh, I think we all have certain emotions relating to Metal Gear Solid Five, which is not entirely positive. Yeah, but it is it is what it is. It's out. Uh, I'm just not gonna play that game again. So yeah, it's fine. That's that. That's my thing. Is that after beating that was like I fucking love Metal Gear Solid. That is one of my favorite games of all time. It probably is gonna be forever my favorite game of all time. Um, and I can go back and play those games any day. Metal Gear Solid Five. I have no desire whatsoever yeah. to play that game again ever. But that's the interesting thing about Metal Gear Solid Five, right? It is dubbed the best playing Metal Gear Solid game. Right? It, must, it, it certainly is. But if the gameplay was that good, wouldn't we want to play more of it? You know what I mean? Like, is is our emotions towards how they handle the story and rather the pacing of the game itself is that is that so bad to the point where we no longer want to play a game that plays well? It's a I, weird thing. I think it's the fact that it's a Metal Gear game. And mm-hmm. we don't go in and everybody out there who is a Metal Gear fan or has ever played a Metal Gear game for that matter. Anybody who's ever played one knows that you don't play a Metal Gear game for its gameplay. <laughs> you play it because of what's going to happen in that game. And, you know, it, it's... I don't know. It's that, I, don't, I think that's doing a disservice to the Metal Gear Solid games uh, gameplay. I think, like, the first one obviously was uh, was rough. But when they started like knocking out the second and third, I really liked the gameplay in those games. That's true, but I mean they were always fine. You know, they were serviceable. They weren't the best shooting game no, out there. Yeah. They weren't the best sneaking game out there. But it was, it, 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 <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's so strange. I have such a love for that series, 
And to see it go out like that is horrible. Kojima Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to find out what Kojima's up to at the Ge- key at the Keeleys. Gear Metal Solid. Gear Metal Kojima. Solid? Yes, Hideo Kojima game. Has no relation to Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Starting, uh, was it Octagon Snake? There you go. Octagon Snake? Yes. Now you're going by shapes instead of uh, materials. Yeah. Shapes, yes. I don't know. I just, um, that's the thing is like, will Konami ever make another Metal Gear game? They'll try. Do you, I mean, my, my thing is, is what do they do with that? Do they do they do Metal Gear? They'll give it to someone else to do it. Uh, well, obviously that, but I mean, will they will they will they remake Metal Gear? You know, I think the, I, think, I think that is the only option left. Just, just reboot it. Yeah, uh, give it to three forty seven, three forty three, or whatever those guys doing Halo are. Sure, why not? Three four three. Yeah, so people seem to like them, <laughs> and then we'll get another Halo game where it's like going to be like ah, Metal Gear Halo. Sure, why not? That'd be weird. Yes. Yeah, like we've already established the fact that we're not re- like about to be accepting of any Metal Gear that's not made or at least has a large in part to do with Hideo Kojima because that's yeah. like his thing. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, I can forget about that series and just be done with it. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, but... Just gotta let things die sometimes, Drew. It's the cruel nature of the world. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh that's gonna be it for us. I do appreciate everybody listening. Uh, I do appreciate all the emails that we did get. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, it's Drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury and Jay is at Batusai J. Uh, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, also, um, just to let everyone know, uh, today we're recording on Thursday. Today, actually, the first episode of Thunder in a Paradise. Uh, it did. Went I, gotta, out. I gotta listen to that. And, I have uh, time. Uh, we've uh, we've already got some halfway decent feedback. People are saying that they found us funny, and I don't believe that. But oh, um, I don't know. I think we need to work on us not yelling. And I gotta I gotta listen to it before I give you any feedback. But I will listen to it uh, either tonight or tomorrow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let me know. And if you do listen to it, uh, let me know what you think of it. Um, I it it gets a little bit better toward the end whenever everybody's not talking over each other and stuff like that. I mean, I have to train these people how to podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, we we do a pretty good job toward the end, and I think we do have some pretty good moments in there. Um, but yeah, let me know how that is. Uh, the, also, I have to give it to Joel, uh, who is one of my players. He actually created all the background music for that game for for the podcast. He's creating all the background music for all of them. Um, and so, uh, he does a real good job with that. Let him know if you like that music or not. Um, so, uh, how is Joel doing after the whole event at the, the last of us? He's doing okay. Yeah. He seems to be all right. All right. That's cool. That's I, cool. I don't, it, I don't, it seemed pretty tough for him. So, you know, I was, I was a little worried. Yeah. I, um, that's, that's good to hear. I don't know. Um, I don't know what happens in the last of us. So <laughs> how do you not? Because I never beat it. Ah, spoilers were everywhere. You probably know something. Uh, well, maybe I, I did play the Left Behind DLC, and okay. I saw something happen, and I was like, "Well, I don't want this to be spoiled for me because, well, I may go back and play that game again, you know, to actually say I beat it and then say I hate it." Eh, I don't. You don't need to. Hate, you don't need to beat a game to hate it. I but really. They, 
But the ending does uh, leave some questions. Okay. It's, it's a discussion toward the ending anyway. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Uh, I do appreciate everybody. Jay, thank you for uh, joining me on this one. I had a great time with it. And, um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next week. Uh, Matt's still going to be doing NaNoWriMo, so I may try to do a intermission. I may not. We may just take a week off. Uh, I need to be in discussions with Matt about what we're going to do next. I So it, no no idea at all? I have no idea what's going to happen next week. Oh, boy. Uh, next week we may not have a show. We may have a show, so surprise, I don't know. Well, next week is the whole Thanksgiving week, so. That's might true. Be, yeah, it might be a little difficult to get people in to That's that one. True. Yeah, everybody just enjoy their turkey, and we may be back in two weeks. Possibly. Uh, what we'll be what we'll be playing, I don't know. It may be The Witcher Two, or it may be. Hey, I'm going to let Matt beat Metal Gear, and so we can finally talk about that. Because if we start The Witcher Two, Matt's not going to have enough time to play Metal Gear. So, I don't know. But yeah, we'll we'll be in discussion with that. Check the the Phoenix Down Twitter and um, keep an eye on it. I will keep everybody posted on what we're going to be doing next. But the Witcher 2 will be happening. Uh, I don't know when. And then after that, we're probably going to jump into Persona 4. Ah. So, two really long games back yes. to back. That should be fun. And then I'll finally be able to play The Witcher 3. And then Persona 5 when it comes out. That's going to be a couple months. Do you have time? Oh, yeah. But anyway, all right, that's it for us. Uh, like I said, I appreciate everybody listening. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all those who celebrate it. And until next time, I am Drew. Jay. And we're out of here. Have a great one. I'm gonna make it.